Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is remote viewing? Can it really be an element of national defense? How far can such sight go? Hello and welcome to the 1014th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, coming to you from WOON, AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live and on YouTube. I'm Ben, and today we bring you a new guest on a subject we have rarely discussed. And my dad, Paul, is joining us via Skype. Howdy, folks. Well, hello there, Father. And so today we have professional photographer uh, Christopher Harmon of uh, Green Valley, Illinois. He's best known for his prominent role in the Mutual UFO Network, uh, a.k.a. MUFON. He is a MUFON star team member. Uh, he serves on the Experiencer Resource Team. He uh, also does paranormal investigations and is a ham radio operator. Uh, Chris also experienced uh, in is also experienced, I should say, in the fascinating phenomena of remote viewing and is an instructor in the subject. So, Chris Harmon, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Welcome, glad to be here. Well, it's great to have you with us. So, I guess we'll 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 start off with uh, uh, the seemingly very simple question: What is remote viewing? Ah, well, remote viewing is the uh, ability to find uh, places, people, um, things, or objects without leaving your um, area. You, you can literally take your psychic uh, right side of your brain and travel to where these uh, objects, places, or people are. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's a process that taps into your psychic side, and you're able to... Um, get like a download of information that helps you find and pinpoint exactly where something is or maybe even a place that you want to go and, and, and look for stuff. So how does it work? Like what what is what is the process of remote viewing look like? Pardon the pun. Well, basically you kind of get into like a relaxed state and then, uh, of course, it takes a lot of practice, but uh, you l- listen to what the... Uh, what the, your psychic side is telling you, you're basically uh, like spirit guides, uh, spirit angels. Um, they speak to you through your uh, psychic brain. And with practice, you're able to understand what they're saying better. And you kind of look for patterns. It's, it's like you detect uh, certain feelings and patterns that tell you what, what you need to know. It's almost like having somebody whisper on the side of your shoulder. And over time, you begin to understand that and turn that into words. And you can basically write out a whole a whole paragraph or page on where, let's say, a missing child is or where a uh, object is or maybe a lost wallet, wedding ring, cell phone, etc. So, so uh, oh, I'm so go ahead, Ben. After you, Father. Well, uh, what is the difference between remote viewing and, uh, say, an out-of-the-body experience? Well, ba- basically, there, there is some resemblances in there. Um, uh, remote viewing, if you, if you practice enough, you, you can actually become a time traveler because you can get in, into it. It's like, okay, so you get into this, I don't want to call it like a trance, but you get so into the place that you're looking for that with practice you can actually go there and time travel and interact with, let's say, the past, the present, or the future. Uh, once you have in mind what it is you're looking for or a place you want to go, and, and you start relaxing and, and listening to your um, psychic side, 
you, you get focused on it so much that your body pretty much will literally go there and you can walk around um, you can interact with people uh, talk um, feel touch um, now I have done this multiple times um, and, and you're there and then when you got the information that you want you can just kind of learn how to move yourself back to the back to reality or should I say the present form and write down and write everything that you learn. So there's there's a really interesting thing you brought up, which is the the idea of of sensation, right? Tactile stuff, you know, being being able to to go back in time, touch stuff, all that all that garbage. Um, how uh, as 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 something that's that's cerebral, right? Spiritual in a sense. Yeah, you're projecting yourself. How do senses work in that medium? This is, um, okay, so let's say you wanted to um, go back and see something from, let's say, 1972, just a random number, and, and, and you get yourself relaxed, and you have a, a, a visualization of where you're wanting to go, and, and so you, you, you kind of sit back and let, the, uh, let your body take you there. Your psychic uh, guides and spirits will kind of lift you over to that area, and you start walking around, you can take your hands, you can feel, you can touch, and it, it becomes such a reality. It, it takes practice, but the more practice you get, the more physically you will be there to the point that you can smell things, you can talk, touch, interact. I mean, you, you could go back and, and talk to, let's say, Benjamin Franklin, um, believe it or not. I've never done that myself, but you can actually go there. Like, um, say you want to go to a concert or... Um, maybe you want to find out where that wedding ring was lost 20 years ago that your fiancé lost. You could go back to there and find out where she dropped that wedding ring. And say, oh, okay, there it is. Now you can't bring that wedding ring back to the present with you. But, however, you could move it to an area where she would find it. And then when you get back to the present, she now has it with her. That's a pretty amazing way to save money, save a fortune if you can do this. Chris, uh, do you know Tom Doggo from Arizona? Uh, I, uh, no, I don't. If, if I saw his face, I might recognize him. Okay. Yeah, he's a, a dear friend of mine. Uh, the only other show I believe we've done on this subject is with Tom. And I asked him... Kind of what Ben just asked, and that's um, how do your physical senses work when they're not when you're not believed to be in your body? And he said nobody ever asked him that before. It seems kind of an obvious question, but I, I think I understand your explanation. Uh, Chris, did you learn remote viewing? Or did you discover that you could do it, and how? Well, I've always been uh, since I since I was born. I've had a bit of a psychicness to me. It took a while to understand what it was I was uh, I was what, what was going on with me because I I would know things, I would see things, or I would have dreams, or they were so real I couldn't quite understand it. As a child, I just 
kind of brushed it off that oh it's just you know it's just imagination or coincidence or whatever but as I got older I began to understand that there was something with this that I did have some kind of ability once I started uh, figuring out that it, it was called psychicness I began to uh, study research and then when I could I took a uh, a course and got certified as a remote viewer and I ended up learning remote healing and remote influencing which I can discuss in a little bit but but, but I kept practicing and, and going over things to the point that I am so trained like I, I can just look at somebody or look at a, a time or a place and just within a matter of seconds I've got a whole download of information as, as to uh, what I'm wanting to figure out or know okay. <clears throat> excuse me wanted to ask you some examples, but first, um, is it psychic, or is it quantum entanglement, or are they the same thing? Well, a psychic, as like you would see on television, or the news, or radio, or whatever, a psychic can um, like tell you uh, maybe where something's at, or... She can she can tell you something, whereas a remote viewer like me could give you details. Like a psychic could say it's it's in a house in a bedroom. Well, I could tell you that it's in a house, a brown brick house in Central Park, uh, Iowa, or whatever. Um, and it's in a bedroom that's got pictures on the walls of Elvis Presley. And then the person could say, Oh, I know where that's at. Because I've, I've given you details, or the psychic may not give you details. They'll just tell you one thing, whereas I can go into a description. Okay, give us some examples of your own adventures <coughs> with remote viewing. I did a, uh, had a lady approach me um, last year. It was kind of a small case I did. She lives in, or her sister, I think it was, lives in Oklahoma. She could not, she lost her wedding ring, and it, it had been lost for quite a while, and they never could find it. She wanted to know if I could um, help her find her wedding ring. I said, yeah, come back tomorrow, I'll have, I'll have the answer for you. So I went, sat down that evening, did a, a session, which, with practice, you can do a session in five or six minutes. If you're new at this, it's going to take you quite a while. But within five minutes, I was able to write a description I found her wedding ring was placed up against the headboard of her bed. I, I was able to visualize the uh, room that it had been lost in, and I saw her. I saw the wedding ring fall off her hand and land underneath her uh, uh, bed where, where she sleeps, where her head lays. And so I knew exactly where it, where it was. So I the next day told the woman, uh, "You can tell your sister that the wedding ring." Was up against the head. Uh, I was able to get a visualization. I saw her lose it. It's on the floor, and sure enough, they within just a few hours, the wedding ring was retrieved. Okay. Um, how about uh, examples of remarkable remote viewing experiences that others have had, or have told you uh, about them? 
Uh, yes, there's been uh, several stories uh, laid out to me. Um, I've heard, uh, some of the stories that I've heard um, that, that are pretty remarkable is um, like we had a gentleman that um, he wanted to know um, what it was like to uh, time travel. And this is the instruct- instructor told him that, uh, well, yeah, you can do this, but but I would have to sit and help you so that you can uh, make a safe trip there and back because you're not experienced. And so they got him into a relaxed state. I, w- I won't give out names on air, but uh, they got him into a relaxed state. And he went to um, a vacation spot near um, Florida. And he was out, and he said... I, I can see uh, the ocean. I can see the water. I, I want to go swimming. And the, yeah, okay, well, be careful. And so he went out into the ocean swimming. And what he didn't realize was um, that he was not a very good swimmer. And so while he was in the ocean, he began to feel a drowning effect because he wasn't a good swimmer. And so he started panicking and hyperventilating. And, and so they had to bring him out of that and told him that he was not allowed to um, time travel without having um, proper training. And that's one thing I do uh, teach is is to be careful when you're going to a certain spot because if you're not properly trained and you get in a situation, you may not be able to get out of it. And he could have drowned. Even though he wasn't physically there, he could have drowned and would have died. That sounds like parallel worlds to me. I mean, uh, time, is for our notions of time, pretty much blown out of the water by the special theory of relativity, not to mention quantum mechanics. But whatever, uh, we've had physicists tell us that when you travel in time, you travel sideways, not back and forth. So anyway, be that as it may, um, uh, Ted Sirios, whom I knew, uh, was, uh, coined the term thoughtography. He could look at the lens of a camera or sometimes even a packet of film and record what he was thinking, a scene on that film. And then there were people like Stella Lansing who seemed to just take a picture of anything and you get all these parallel world effects. How would you relate that to what we're talking about, any kind of remote viewing? Maybe, maybe it's not related at all. Oh, yes, it, it is related in several ways. I mean, if you have a picture of, let's say, a picture of maybe a family photo from, let's say, 50 years ago, your ancestors or grandparents, if you have that photo in front of you and you're a remote viewer like me, you, you, you can look at that and it doesn't take, well, for me, it doesn't take but maybe seven or eight seconds and I, I can transfer myself to that point in time and I can watch that event take place or watch that um, incident happen, whatever. Like, let's say it's a it's a family Christmas photo. I, I, I could take myself, get relaxed and go there and see the uh, the whole day as it unfolded. And then when I'm ready, I, I can just kind of bring myself out of it. 
you can do that with even like historical photos, like World War II photos, um, um, photos of even movies. Like if you're watching the uh, movies of World War II or or just anything in general it, with proper training, you can put yourself into that environment, walk around, interact, um, touch and feel, smell things, um, and then when you're ready, you, you just kind of come back to the uh, reality of things. And it, it is a neat tool, but it does take a lot of practice to get to get better equipped. I don't uh, wouldn't want anybody to just uh, doing it and then not be able to come back because it isn't safe unless you have proper training. Yeah. Well, I guess um, um, this this is a good segue into um, the use by the military, right? And you know, there's 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 been you know all all sorts of interesting stories about it. You know, the the thing that pops to mind for me is you know men who stare at goats type type thing, right? Um, so does the military still use it? And what about its prior uses? Well, originally the military um, was using it. Up until I believe '94 or '95, when they dropped it because they they said it was not useful. I personally think that it, that they didn't want it want it to be known of how great it was because there was such a such a, a success with it that I think more people were learning the skill until the military dropped it because it, it was kind of it was kind of getting out of their control. Whereas originally they had control over it. And they was using it for like spying on the allies and and the enemy lines and all that. But once more people started using it just for like a pleasure type thing, I think that might have been the reason the military dropped it. I don't know for a fact, but I think they might have dropped it because it was becoming too public. And so they made this statement to everybody that it was not useful. Hmm. I guess um, that that kind of leads me into another question. So so part of, part of the techniques that that you explained require um, a, a specific mindset. Is that is that an accurate statement? Uh, yes, but uh, any, anybody can learn. Right, right. I, I could sit. No, that's what I mean. But what what I'm saying is, are the were the techniques of the military, to the best of your knowledge, were they any different? Was it the same? Is it kind of like universal? Yeah, it's universal. I mean, remote viewing is is really only one way to do it. Although some people do kind of have variations of it, but when you look at everything, it is all pretty much ninety nine percent the same. It's just a matter of more practice, uh, more more experience. So, with with that in mind, right? Would that mean that the the military had spirit guides? They had, um, some people can call them spirit guys, some people can call them uh, just like intuition or just a, like a feeling they get. Um, for me, it's kind of a well-rounded thing. I'm not, I don't always speak to my spirit guys, but I know, like, like if I was to uh, um, just sit here and stare, stare at my computer screen, I could walk around your office. I, I, I could see all your wires, tools, and techniques just, just sitting here. I could even see myself on your computer screen and then just come back. Breaking the fourth wall there, Chris. <laughs> we don't need people seeing how the sausage is made, actually, even though you can very clearly see it behind me. Um, joke, jokes all around. So I, I, that is interesting because it, it does sort of bring to mind, you know, you, you think the military is kind of tight, stuffy, rigid. You wouldn't expect them to be intuitive. You know what I mean? I don't think that every I don't think everybody in the military has this tool. 
I think that it, it was once used years ago, and I think they kind of put it on the back burner or just kind of let it go because it was kind of getting out of their control. Or, or maybe they just couldn't, maybe not everybody in the military could do this skill, and so they just let it go. But but I, I can literally train somebody, and within just a matter of weeks, they would be um, on the way to becoming an expert. Interesting. Well, having, having served in the military, I think uh, we have to consider the possibility that they didn't, did not end the program, and that uh, they continued it under another name in another place, because that's what they do. So right. it's just a, just an idea. Sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but you know, then then there's the other the other side of the coin, which is you know the sort of rise of dependence upon. Well, I want to say it's a rise of dependence. There's always been a, a, a human dependence on technology. I would say um, that's just kind of part part and parcel of being a human in, in this case. I've, I've I've I heard an, a really interesting argument once that you know someone's like oh we don't want to be cyborgs but we already are you know we're using technology to augment our senses all the time you know what we're doing right now we're you know plugging ourselves in and becoming one with the machine almost through this whole interface right I mean I'm we're all wearing glasses so we're using technology to augment our vision and so it's so it kind of comes down to this. Do you believe that there's sort of this this sort of uh, I mean there's really no, no there's all uh, it's all pure speculation. I think that's this is the hard part, right? It's all speculation. Because I would say that with the rise of of sort of transhumanism, right? Sort of transcending the human the human body and and becoming more intertwined with technology is is that the direction that this is all heading? I mean, you've you've said that this is pretty universal, right? I mean, but wouldn't wouldn't there be some sort of special interest in perhaps in either a stamping this out through using technology right you think of like virtual reality because that's essentially a simulation of of this experience yeah right yeah this uh, like you're talking about virtual reality this is pretty much uh but basically what you're doing is you're t- using this skill and you're making uh, every place you want to go and what you want to learn it becomes a reality i mean for me for me if I time travel or, or just go somewhere to, to gather information, I mean that becomes my reality until I until I until I come back out of it. And um, so, any, anybody that takes this uh, and learns this with enough practice, they can do what I'm doing, and, and over time it becomes their reality. So, so, so in essence, whether I'm going to the past or the future or even just somewhere uh, the here and now. Everything is my reality. Have you known anyone who has remote viewed or time traveled who could not get back? I mean, you wouldn't um, know that firsthand because you wouldn't see them again. But what sort of I, problems can result? Well, the one thing that is uh, very um, tough about this, if you don't have proper uh, experience, um, there are there are there is that possibility you could go somewhere and get lost and I do know a few stories and of course I don't know these people personally that that have done this and one in particular uh, he has not been seen or heard from again I don't that's just a story I heard whether it's true or not I guess I could 
use remote viewing and find out where he's at, but I don't have enough information to to lead on to to go there. But if you if you're not careful, let's say let's say you were to um go back to um 1953 and and, and go on a uh, a ship somewhere or just just go go somewhere and you're not equipped with the tool you could go there start interacting start um seeing your old places or old stopping grounds and get so involved in there that you forget to come back or forget how to come back um, if there's nobody there to help you come back because you don't know how you're not trained you you could literally get stuck there and when i, when I first started doing this there were times I would I would go for a couple hours somewhere, and then I would realize, well, I guess I better get back, and then I'd start coming back, and wow, it's been like two or two and a half hours, and I was I wasn't careful. Now, now I remind myself when I go somewhere, to don't stay too long, just get the information and come back, unless I have time. I want to stay somewhere, and let's say let's say go to a concert or something. I I, I could do that, but just afterwards, come back. Okay, uh, time for break, Ben. Yeah, yeah, it's about that. It's about that time, gentlemen. So I guess what we shall do. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, with our wonderful guest Chris Harmon talking about remote viewing. We'll be right back right after this. We've unlocked the vaults, and we're replaying Casey Kasem's American Top 40, the 80s. This week is from September 17, 1983. That's when Taco was putting on the Ritz. Talking heads were burning down the house. Sheena Easton had a long-distance love affair. And Men Without Hats did the safety dance. You'll hear those songs, all the top 40 hits, and the long-distance dedications from September 17, 1983, right here on Casey Kasem's American Top 40, The 80s. Local and live at 99.5 FM. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WON. AM and FM here in Blackstone River Valley's beautiful Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And so we hop back into our show with Chris Harmon, and we're talking about remote viewing and all sorts of the ins and outs, the do's and don'ts, and uh, any sort of things in between. So I guess we're, we're going to – I want to kick off this hour by um, by kind of digging a little bit more into the remote viewing trench here, Chris. So there, there's been a couple of times that you've mentioned needing information of sorts – how much information do you require? Well, how mu- how little information do you require to be able to project? Well, information basically. I mean, let's say you're looking, you're working with law enforcement. You find a, a missing uh, child. Usually, what law enforcement will do is they'll give you a target number. A target number would be like six seven four seven three. Now, that target number represents what they want you to look for. But they won't give you any other information other than just that target number because they don't want to lead you in, 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 a, in a certain direction that maybe that ain't where the child is or something to that affair. But they'll give you a target number. With that number, you can take the number and just with that alone, you get information that comes to you and then... It's almost like a series of words that come come to you and you write all this stuff down. This tells you where the child's at. And then as you start gathering the information, you start transferring yourself to that location or area. You start looking around 
and then you might see like like stop signs or not stop signs but like street signs or things that tell you okay I see uh, uh, street sign numbers okay um, houses um, you start writing all this down well these are key key things that the cops will use to look to find that location if they see the numbers that you wrote down the street signs or the license plate numbers anything will tell them okay I know where that's at we can go find that missing child and you using this tool you can really uh, make a difference when, when it comes to missing people uh, animals pets or jewelry or anything you need to find out is there a dis- distance limit I know there's no distance you can travel as as, as far as you want um, you can travel to the other side of the world or you can even travel to the moon I believe it or not not and I have done that a few times yeah anybody watching in the video feed uh, Chris is orbiting the mood right now um, when it comes to uh, that sort of thing an obvious question to me uh, because of our involvement in MUFON can you remote view inside the UFO Yes, I've not been inside. I mean, not that I'm going to discuss, but I have uh, made contact with the ETs. I have actually spoke to them. I did a, I did a case recently for um, for Mufon. I helped him with with a case, and uh, I was able to make uh, communication with the ETs and, and spoke to them, and they uh, were, were explaining things to me. Okay, what did they explain? If you if you can share that, yes, the, we we were working on a case to do with uh, the Texas uh, cattle mutilation. People uh, were becoming uh, missing and and tore up. And my case was what, what I did was remote viewing to figure out what was going on. So what I found out was it, it was a, a specific race of aliens that, that were coming down and taking the cattle. To, to their base, which was on the other side of the moon. They were, they were storing the cattle uh, for food. And they told me that we're not taking all of the cattle, just enough for, um, for our uh, food. And they said, you have enough, please share. And then later on in the conversation, they said, we are all one cohesive unit, meaning that uh, the ETs, the humans, we are all together, like one nation under God, if you want to look at it that way. How do you know that what you're being told is true in situations like that? Um, there's a certain feeling you get because I, I'm trained to recognize uh, uh, good versus evil. Because if something is not, uh, it's not to have good intentions, I, I will get like like a vibe. It's almost like a a sensation that tells me. No, that is not where you need to be. That that that's wrong. Just walk away. Or if somebody has good uh, feelings or intentions, even ETs, I, I, I can sense what's good, what's bad with training. I decipher the feelings, and so I know what to let in or what not to let in. Okay, uh, can you give us some more examples of the police using uh, remote viewing? Sure. 
um, maybe a police is, is looking for um, a stolen vehicle uh, and or even a child or whatever they, they, they're gonna they're gonna hire a remote viewer and then they will bring that viewer into their into their office or they might have the viewer work at home wherever he feels more comfortable they're not going to give the remote viewer a whole lot of information other than just a series of numbers because if they give the viewer too much information then like I the remote viewer could possibly um, be looking in the area based on the information I know whereas if I go in blank with no information at all and I could take those numbers and, and write down everything that comes to me go there to that location as I'm writing things down I start to go there and then I can look around and I can feel touch and see and I'm going to find that um, find that, that, that stolen vehicle and I'm going to be able to look around and see street signs see areas license plates write all that down and when I hand this paperwork over to the uh, law enforcement they, they can look at my um, words and they can say I know where that's at we can now go get that criminal or that child or that vehicle because I, I was there so I'm able to pinpoint uh, locations now one thing that I do stress in remote viewing is when you're you know, let's say let's say you were the student I would tell you never to um, name anything. Like I don't ever want I don't don't ever want you to say New York or or truck or car. I want you to describe because the descriptions are better than the actual words because you might think you know what something is being a new student, but you don't know for sure because you're not fully trained. So I would have you describe. And as you're describing it, you may realize, oh, wait a minute, that's not a truck, that's a, uh, a van or something else. So, Another, uh, I'm uh, sorry, if, you, if you'd like to continue, please. No, go ahead. So I, I want to take a quick half step back. Um, I, I, always, I, I always have a hard time. Um, with the idea of of either either incredibly evil or overly benevolent um, alien beings, right? One would assume with the word alien, right? You know, they are completely other than we are. Yeah, therefore they would have you know different way of, of experiencing you know the world, uh, you know, or worlds in this sense, right? They would have a different sense in which they they understand things. They would be completely other, right? So I, I always I'm always reticent to to kind of hop onto the side of yeah you know they're just trying to help us or yeah you know they're trying to kill all of us. There's really no way to really know. And a, a, a very intelligent man once told me that you know feelings are informative but they are not facts. So if this is the case, right? You know these are, these are the questions I've asked many a UFO expert in the past. How do we know you know that anything that's completely other than us, extraterrestrial? would have the same moral structures as we would. Basically, you would know because um, <clears throat> as you're doing, um, let's say, remote viewing, um, you start studying patterns and behaviors and feelings. And you get to the point with, with, with several years of training that you start to recognize things. And you, you can even 
because I communicate with and you can have them identify themselves. But uh, most of what I do is based on experience uh, of feelings and vibrations and, and just a, uh, being able to see what and you start to adapt and recognize such patterns over and over that you to the point where instantly you know not there here or not or they're evil let's go over here or it's just a, it's such an like a just identifying the patterns it's kind of like like red blue like red green and blue on a uh, stop like you start memorizing things and recognizing things that instantly you just know what to do and if you're come in contact with an ET race like I do, maybe it's a race I've never dealt with before, a different race. I, I have them identify themselves, and immediately I'm going to look for any kind of, uh, um, like, like any kind of feelings that come to me and start pinpointing, okay, is that good or bad? No. I can tell right away. So I, I, I tell them goodbye and move on. But over time, you just, you start recognizing things. It almost becomes kind of like, a routine, if you want to say. So, I mean, I, either way, it still depends on your your perception of the of the interaction, yeah. But because you got to be careful, because they can lie to you and tell you that they come in peace. Really, it's just a, a trap to get to lure you into their um, into their um, let's say their arms or their 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 ship, and so you, you got can't lie. But but if you recognize their feelings and patterns, then instantly you know, no, that, that that's false. Whereas the good ones that come, they're going to come with such a kind of like a loving feeling, and the bad ones won't. But but they could lie, and if you're not trained for this, you might think, oh yeah, sure, I'll go with you. And no, it, it's a bait, a trap. So you've mentioned. No. Oh, I'm sorry, Dad. Please. No, no, go ahead, Ben. So you've mentioned training, certification, etc., uh, a couple of times. You kind of brought up training ever so slightly. I'm, I'm curious because I've been, I've been kind of playing with this question for the last 40 ish minutes. Um, how does one get certified in this? Who does the certifying? What does the certification mean, etc.? Yeah, the instructor, which would be me. Um, let's say you're my student. I would teach you for teach you the basics of remote viewing for about eight weeks and then I of course I grade your homework assignments and and see how well you've done which I've never had a student not be able to walk away uncertified everybody has done great um, in fact a lot of my new students um, um, like Amanda or I got several other students in class um, um, Steve um, I can't remember everybody's name but they're all great students um, even the students I did uh, a few months back, uh, they, they were so great I uh, that they, they were nailing every every test I would give them. So after the eight weeks was over, I give them a a uh, like a certification uh, a certificate which tell which states on this date you were certified you are certified as as now a remote viewer. And then you can move on and take my other two courses, which are remote healing and remote influencing. Now. Uh Earlier this year, Chris, you very generously offered a course to members of the uh, Experience or Resource team, and uh, I serve on that. That's how I know you, and uh, it was very impressive in the sense of how systematic 
It is, uh, taking a piece of paper, you know, inciting numbers to targets. Uh, can you uh, go into that just a bit? Why it's done that way and what the benefit is? Uh, yes, uh, the numbers are beneficial. Uh, um, I, I, I'm so well trained that I don't necessarily have to have a number. I just have to know where, where I want to go or what I want to look for. But generally, the numbers are used um, because if you give out a series of numbers. Like, let's say I'm going to look at something and then assign a number to that. Okay, that number will then have that, that, that item or that place um, locked into it somehow. I'm not exactly sure how that plays out, but with those numbers, a person will then start describing everything that comes to them, um, and then they just start writing out the patterns, going through the going through the session, and you and it, it all plays back to those numbers. Without the numbers, you wouldn't know where to go or look for it. It's, it's almost like taking a uh, a picture or something that you see. When you're putting a number into that, you, you could take a question, like, where's that child? And that's, give a number to that, and with your intentions, with your heart and, and mindset, you are certifying that question to that number, or vice versa. And now that number becomes that question or that place. What is the significance of numbers? And and I guess really any other symbol in this sense is there something specific about about numbers? No, you you could do any number you want. Like you you could, you could sounds weird, but you could take your shoe off, give it a number five, and have somebody remote view the number five, and be surprised if they don't write down shoe somewhere on that piece of paper. I mean, it, 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 it's literally that simple, but yet it's also kind of difficult all in the same. Huh? Is but you it- don't have. Is is it giving that identity something simple to remember? Like I don't know this this my my yeti here. We'll call it you know say number four, right? Is it is it because it's something simple? Like you know okay, well I can remember a number like looking at a clock, but like because I'm saying it's this number, is it easier for my mind to associate with it? I, I believe so, but a lot of it is is the fact that. Uh you, you you really want something like you really want to find information about a place or a thing so so somebody you you would give it a number and somehow your your psychic side or your brain in general uh, puts those two together and then that now becomes one so the number now becomes not only the question but it also becomes the number itself and then you just kind of go from there um, it, with proper training like I've been doing this for quite a while so I don't have to have numbers. I, I just have to know what I want to do, and then I can just go there without even using numbers. I, you, you could tell me to uh, find your comic book from 20 years ago, and just the fact that you said comic book, you don't have to tell me the name of the comic book. Just just because you said that, within 10 minutes, I could tell you what the comic book was. Mm, interesting. So I guess that that does that that does bring up an interesting question, which is, um, uh, well, I, actually, I want to take a take a slight a slight turn here, slight slight little slight little switching gears. Um, you mentioned earlier remote healing and remote influence. What 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 is remote healing? It's a, remote healing is another course I teach, which comes after remote viewing. Um, 
but uh, remote healing is the ability to heal a person's aches, pains, colds, arthritis, um, headaches, um, migraines, um, broken bones. Uh, you, you can even work on cancer, leukemia, uh, basically anything. And uh, <coughs> using this tool and, and doing it because uh, remote healing requires like a three or four day um, deal. Depending on how sick the person is, it might take longer to heal them. But within three or four days with this tool, you can take away their pain or, or at least severely lessen the pain. Like let's say you have a broken bone. I can start healing you. <coughs> Excuse me. And within three to four days or maybe even just 24 hours, your bone's going to start to heal. and Or it may just be healed within a matter of moments. And you can now start to use your arm again. The process is done with uh, heart, love, uh, spirits, um, a good positivity, and you're basically uh, putting out all your love and uh, your, your your thoughts and purity and kindness in into your session, and you're putting that intent out to the person and the area where the where they need the healing, and all of that love and heart goes into that area. And the area now becomes healed gradually. And the more you do this, the, the more it heals to the point where they're, it's brand new. I mean, they're, they're healed. So where yeah. can people find out more about you and contact you? Uh, they can find me on uh, uh, Facebook under uh, Crappie King, Chris Harmon, or through uh, email. Uh, I, I could get that out here if you want. Um Mainly on Facebook, um, they can contact me through there to uh, sign up for uh, remote viewing courses, which starts November 1st. That's a general public course. It's a $100 course, and it's eight weeks, and then they get certified. So here's a – so what, what is remote influence? I've addressed that. Remote influencing is the ability to control a person's mind, body, behaviors – or physical actions, like I could have you um, um, raise your right hand and um, grab something, or I could have you uh, uh, shut down the station. I mean, I wouldn't do that. Because Please don't do I don't, that. I, don't teach, <laughs> I, I do not teach anything for negative. If, if I find somebody's using any of these tools for negativity, on my end, I can stop them. But remote influencing, you could, um, I could say you really want to get a job somewhere. You could you could use influencing to uh, have the uh, person that's going to hire you. You could use this to have them um, look at your profile and, and really take a liking to it, rather than just glance at it. Like say you want him to really really consider you for this job, or you, you could have you could use this tool to make your uh, to make your wife make you a chocolate cake. You're gonna you're gonna use this tool and go through a session. And when you're done, she's going to feel the urge to make you a chocolate cake, or a lot of different things you could do. Like, like you could even control the weather with uh, remote influencing or different things, which, which I have controlled the weather with this before, so it does work. So, what is the difference? This is going to be a very odd question, but we like to come up with fun questions here at Behind the Paranormal. Oh, sure. um, what is the what is the difference between what you're talking about and magic? 
Yes, um, I'm not familiar with magic. I've never, I've, I've never really, associated, never really attempted that. But uh, I, I think there might be some uh, resemblances. I don't, like I said, I know nothing about magic, but I do know that uh, when you use all these tools, uh, uh, let's say you put all this together and get a get an overall look at it. What, what you're basically doing is you're controlling the uh, controlling life itself. Uh, you're controlling uh, somebody's uh, healing. You're controlling uh, the ability to time travel. You're also controlling uh, the ability to change uh, the outcome of, of things. So you're basically taking life, and that's where you have to be careful and make sure you use this only for positiveness because if you control things the wrong way or get carried away or you don't know what you're doing, then you could have bad repercussions in the long run. What happens if uh, another remote viewer unbeknownst to you is trying to influence the same person in the opposite direction how does that if somebody, work if somebody was trying to uh, control a person in the opposite direction uh, you, you, you could go in and you could um, if you're more experienced then you, you could take control of the situation and basically control and just take control of it because you have more experience, let's say you don't have enough experience, you're you're just you're just like him. Um, you don't have enough experience, and you, you would have to uh, carefully uh, go in and choose your words and, and, and go in in a different way, kind of like a behind the sneak attack, and, and gain control to uh, stop that person or or put in certain words. Like I, I would use certain words that would stop him. From from doing anything that he shouldn't be doing, almost like putting a putting like a, a wall up against him, he cannot go any further. It's kind of like a Gandalf thing, right? I guess, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, that's a lot to absorb. What's the next step for you in uh, continuing in this field? Have you gone as far as you can go? I've gone as far as I can go in remote viewing. Of course, I constantly practice, and I love teaching. I have several great students, and I look to help them become certified and give them all the assistance and help they need. I think that with everything that I'm doing in the teaching, that in the long run, I'm going to be able to teach a lot of people how to do this, and hopefully... Within a year or so, I, we will have double the amount of remote viewers we have compared to now. I, I would like to teach everybody I can. And my goal on Earth is to heal and help as many people as I can, make this make this world a better place, put out more positivity, and bring uh, everybody in, into one loving universe, Not and, and get rid of all the hatred and all the hate and crime. So they so um, go ahead, Ben. Well, of course, it's all, always when we have like you know a few minutes left, I I, I get on to something. Um, quick half step backwards, you know, in the in, a, in the short time we have left, um, I, I do think it's rather interesting how you describe this practice. Can I call it a practice? Because it's kind of like sure. a practice, right? Oh. Um, and I I do think. There's a lot more parallels between quote unquote magic and, and what's what's going on here, right? So so magic at its at its 
core is essentially you use techniques and and um, techniques and, and rituals in order to achieve a desired result. Is that is that an accurate description of of remote viewing? You use techniques, training, and rituals in order to get an act get a result. Yes. Uh, yes, I don't. Yes, you are pretty much correct. I'm not for sure about the rituals. Just, we call them techniques, but yes, it's all the same. Well, ritual is just one of the many ways. There's there's four ways in which we as humans order reality, right? So we right. order it with, with language, music, art, and ritual. And we use these things in order to make sense of the world around us. Now, the problem that you run into here with you know four minutes left in the show is... Do you ever, even if you're you're using it for only good, yes. Do you ever find that there's pushback from reality? Um, in the earlier stages, I did, yes. But I've come to, uh, I've done this so often that that there, 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 I will say there is times it's hard to, to differentiate what is reality and what is not. There, there are times that I can do this. And forget that I'm not in reality because I'm in such awe or I'm in such a unique environment that there are times I forget what is reality, what's not. At some point I realize, okay, yeah, I'm not really here, so I have to come back out of it. You you, you can get lost in this, really. It's fun, but it's also uh, challenging and daring. Mm, Truly. Well, I guess that's kind of a fun note to uh, end on. We have some announcements we we have to get to. But, but Chris, thank you. This has been a very... Very fascinating show. Um, I I've, I feel like I've learned a lot walking away from it. I don't know about you, Dad. Oh, maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. We'll find out. Oh, so, I have definitely. A lot bigger subject than I anticipated. Oh yeah, there's a, a whole a whole new world, if you will. Um, so I guess we'll we'll hop into our announcements here. So the 2023 Western uh, Connecticut UFO Conference, presented by the Danbury Library, will take place virtually and in person from October 22nd to October 29th. The event will begin here on this show on October 22nd with a very special guest, uh, Reverend Michael Carter of Ancient Aliens, and with live audience interaction. More information to come. And the Greater New England UFO slash Bigfoot Conference is back, and this will be a one-day event on November 19th at the Veterans Memorial Center in Lemonster, Massachusetts. You can watch for more information on that. And don't forget to visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find nearly 1,200 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on WOON. AM and FM. Also, you can hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms. That includes uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And don't forget about our show app. Uh, it's free at BehindTheParanormal.com, and uh, you can browse our books along with those of our guest co-hosts. Uh, our website has a charity page as well, with several links to good causes that we have adopted over the years, including Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Massachusetts, run by our good friend Tom Spitaleri. USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, the Crohn's and Colitis <coughs> Foundation of America, the Sisterhood of Ground Zero, and along with others. That's BehindTheParanormal.com. So what's uh, cooking next week, Ben? So on September 24th, uh, we'll bring you an open line show with special guest co-host Tim Schwartz to help us tackle all of your questions on all sorts of paranormal subjects. 
And uh, we leave you today with a thought from none other than our good old clever friend, who we've never met, but we like to think that we have, Albert Einstein. A clever person, there, I said the, said the quote there, a clever person who solves a problem, a wise person avoids it. I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Paul Eno. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. I hope. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.